Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Luke chapter 6, and I'm going to pick up in verse, verse 46. It should be up there on the screen in the NIV version. It says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed And its destruction was complete. Luke chapter 7 verse 1. He says this. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening. He entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant who his master valued highly was sick and about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him. Asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house. When the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That's why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word. And my servant will be healed. Wow. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. And when Jesus heard this he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd followed him. He said I tell you I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Wow. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Praise God. This story in Luke chapter 6 that we just read, it's sometimes termed in your Bible as the wise and foolish builders. Or in, 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 other, in other terms, it's called the house on the rock. That's what it used to be called when I was at Sunday school. Uh, the wise and foolish builders. Jesus is talking to those who are believers. They believe. In other words, they they hear his words, and many people heard Jesus' words, but he's saying there's a different type of people. Some people can hear what I say, but they don't put it into practice. The book of James talks about this in talking about faith and action. In in other words, you know, faith without works is dead. That's not works for you to to gain Christ's, uh, you know, affirmation of your life and to receive salvation. But sometimes we got to understand that we, when we live by faith, we've got to act our faith out. It requires action. And what Jesus is saying here is there are different types of people who, who kind of say they follow me, but yet they, they, they may listen to my words, but some of them may listen but not do. Some of them do the words, and these are the ones that have a strong foundation. In fact, he describes... The other type of people who listen but don't do anything is people who don't even have a foundation at all. That's that's very different. There's a difference in bad foundations, but not having a foundation at all is pretty bad, isn't it? I mean, you try building a house today, and you get the builders in, and you know, you you got some land, and you say, I want to build a new house, and you say to them, uh, this is the land, but to, to reduce the cost, can we not bother with the foundations? 
Because, you know, when, when, when I've got the house and I've got everything nice, you know, I'm far more interested in the cooker and the, 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 the kitchen I'm going to get. And I'm far more interested in the dining room I'm going to have. I'm far more interested in all these nice things I'm going to have that when people come around for dinner, let's just cut some corners. Don't bother estimating the foundations. Just build a thing. Because how many of you know that if you saw one house built with no foundation and one house built with a foundation, they both can look exactly the same. They can both look identical. And this is what it's like in the faith. There are people today who profess to be Christians. They profess to serve Jesus. They profess to have a faith. I mean, I see it all the time on TV. Presenters, people who... You know, their lives are so much different from what you'd expect from someone to be a believer. But yeah, they say, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah. I'm a Christian. And I want to just say today, just because someone says they're a Christian doesn't mean they're a Christian. I don't, I don't, if someone tells me I'm a Christian, it's not my judgment to determine whether you're going to hell or heaven either. It's not my judgment to determine whether you are a Christian or not because there's only God knows the heart of an individual. There's only God knows what's happening deep on the inside of you. And and I come and I preach each week here and I see faces and I see people and I know people make decisions for Jesus. But at the end of the day, there is a difference. And, And what Jesus is looking for, he's not looking for people who follow him around and say all the right words. He's not looking for people who can sing well. He's not looking for people who can be stewards and and do all the service in the church but never have a real faith. He's looking for people who have a heart after him. And there's a difference. And I want to ask you today, what's your foundations like? Do you have a foundation? Or or are you here today and you're kind of just wearing the mask? You're saying, you know, I'm going to go today, but actually all week. If people could see what I'm like in the week. uh, But but when I come here, I'm going to kind of have a different persona. I'm going to have a different, I'm going to put the act on. You know, when Jesus spoke about the Pharisees, he says they're hypocrites. He comes from that word actors. You know, you you like to go in the public places and show how you pray. Listen, Jesus is not impressed with your best Christian act. I've seen it many times. It's, you know, sometimes I've had the nice terminology and I can sound good, but deep down there's things going on in my heart. Listen, we've got to be truthful. Sometimes there's things that my words don't represent what's going on in my heart. And I'm honest with you, why? Because I'm a human being. Because sometimes we, what's happening inside is not the same as what's coming out. We've got to watch that our mouths flow with the same as what's inside our hearts. That the foundation, our hearts, I'll put it today, are the very foundation. Where is your heart? Jesus says this, your treasure will be where your heart is. Where's your treasure? The wise and foolish builders. I want to ask you today, are you foolish or are you wise? Because listen, it won't last. Jesus, one of the most worrying scriptures when Jesus talks about when he returns, that he says that there'll be people who said, we prophesied in your name. Oh, we did all these great things for you. Lord, Lord, we, you know, we did all these things. And I just want to say to you, these sometimes people kind of misinterpret that scripture as though these are people who are not real Christians. Let me tell you, people who are not Christians today, since when do you find people trying to prophesy in the name of Jesus who are not Christians? They think that they're following Jesus, but actually what they're doing is they're seeking after the gift rather than the giver. They're seeking after the one who's got the things in his hand. And, and actually, they, he says, you never knew me. You never knew me. You never knew me. And I want to just, if there's something that's going to touch your heart today, it's this, that Jesus is not here to condemn you. It's to, to know you. To know you. Deeper. A deeper 
deeper relationship. Many times we talk about, come on, we've got to get deeper for Jesus. Do you know what that means really? You've got to get down to the foundations of your life. What's underneath? What is there? The title of this message is The Faith Foundations. Faith Foundations. A person who digs deep and lays a foundation in this story in Luke 6. And a person who has no foundations at all. Why did I share Luke 7 as well? It's because this, because I noticed something when I read this scripture, and many times I've preached on the wise and foolish builders in Luke chapter 6 before, and, and looked at this story before. But in Luke 7, it says in verse 1, just after Jesus said all these things, who were listening, he enters Capernaum. How many of you, if you read the scriptures, you'll see with Jesus that many times when he did miracles and healings, the reason why he did it, he turns, you know, he, he produces the bread. We looked at that last week and the fish from the multiplication. It's to show, he'll use these as analogies to show, parables to show who he is and the bread of life. You know, when he, 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 he this is what he does. And so what we see here, he, he enters into Capernaum and the next thing that happens is he meets he meets this centurion's, uh, the, the elders, the Jewish elders come to him to say, we got a request from a centurion. Now, a centurion was someone who has, was an officer, a Roman officer of over 100 men. And so they were quite well known. They were, they'd had their triumphs, their victories. And so we've got this situation where this centurion who's known for his victories, he's got the rapport, he's got the He's got, he's, got the, he's got the certifications. He's got a problem. Because in his life, it says that his servant, who he valued highly, is dying. I want to ask you today, first of all, is there things in your life right now that you value so much? It might not be people. But there are situations you're going through where you value things. And something that's so dear to you is dying. Something that's so dear to you is being taken from you. Something that's so dear to you, it has absolutely rocked your world. It is shaking the very foundations of your life. And right now you find yourself in this situation that the storm is hitting your life. That's what Jesus talked about when this, this kind of storm comes. Uh, and some of you have seen just recently on the TV, we had the, the Dorian come in at the hurricane in the Bahamas and the damage it does. I was on the phone to some people in Florida and they had to cancel conferences because of this hurricane that was going to come in. And many times you see it on the news that people, when the hurricanes are coming, they're boarding up their houses ready. They're going down to, to the Walmart and grabbing as much food in. They're trying to prepare for the storm. Some people, sometimes they, they stay in their homes and they don't leave. And I want to just say to you today that some people right now here today, what happens is when storms come in your life, if your foundations are not strong or you have no foundation in Christ, what you end up doing is try to stay in the situation and control it yourself. You actually, what you do is you try to reinforce the building because you can't rely on the foundation to hold it. So what you do is you go around attaching things to your home ready for the storm because your life was never strong in Christ to start with. So what you do is you, storms come and then you, what happens is that you realize that actually is my faith really in God? Is my faith really in God? So what you do, you run around and all your time is spent on reinforcing the building. And, and some of us, we, we, we stay there and we try to control the situation ourselves. I want to encourage you today that the only way that you can get through these situations is to have a strong foundation in Christ. When the storm attacks... That you can stand firm in the knowledge that whatever happens, even if a window breaks, even if a door handle flies off, whatever happens, even if the furniture moves around in the house, whatever shifts and changes in your life, come on church, whatever moves around, 
when you once saw the sofa in one place, but it's moved because something came and shifted things. Whatever happens, you stand firm. Hallelujah. You know, in my life, there's been a lot of shifting around. There's been a lot of changes. But I stand firm. If a sofa moves across the room, I stand firm. If the wind blows out, I stand firm. Because I trust him. I trust in the one. I don't trust in what I I have. I trust in the foundation of what I believe. I know in whom I believe. He's my foundation today. Is he yours today? Is he your foundation? You know, when we recently did the outer court project at the front, we advertised it and we kept telling people we're going to do this. And I was getting video updates. Joe would send me video and pictures. And then one day she sent me one picture. She said, oh, there's a bit of a setback. And they dug the front up. And some of you know this. They dug the front up and there was a huge, and I mean huge, hole. Right at the front, underneath the concrete, where everyone's been walking for years. (laughs) Pastor Ralph doesn't even know this. There's a a huge hole underneath. Thank Jesus we made it through every week. And there's a huge hole, and, and, and they said, this hole's just bigger. We keep digging, and it's just getting softer. And I'm getting these video updates. The hole's getting bigger. The cost is going up in my mind. And they're saying, we've got to fill this thing in with concrete. We've got to do something, but something needs to be done. And, and I realized that this hole was big. And, and it's interesting because how many of you know that none of us knew this? The trustees weren't hiding it. We didn't know what was underneath. And some people today, you're trying to hide what's underneath. But listen to me. Jesus knows exactly what's underneath. You know, it was that deep. I thought we were going to find dinosaur bones, Joe. I mean, who knows what you're going to find? Who knows what kind of things you're going to find when you dig deep? Watch this space. It's amazing what you find. My focus verse today on is verse 9. And this is what Jesus says right at the very end of Luke chapter 7 about the centurion. Because I want to focus on the centurion today. Because I believe that when Jesus meets the centurion... The centurion, listen, he's a believer in Jesus. He loves Jesus. This is, a, this is a Roman officer calling for Jesus. Come on, can you come down and help me? Not trusting in his own ability. This is a Roman officer, gives Jesus a call. He sends his servants and says, come down. And when Jesus sees the centurion, this is what he has to say about him. Verse 9, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. First of all, can I just say, do you want Jesus to be amazed at you? Well, I do, but I want him to be amazed at me for the right reasons. First of all, he meets this man who has authority. He has a reputation. He's known well. But Jesus is amazed at him. Now, that is amazing for me because I thought Jesus wouldn't really get amazed at people. But can I just say to you today, some of you think that Jesus, you know, he's God and he's not really caring about the significance of your life. Actually, sometimes he's amazed at you, that you love him. We sang this morning, did we sing, Lord, I'm amazed by you? Or sometimes we sing that song, I'm amazed by you because you love me. I'm amazed by you. He's amazed at us sometimes. He's amazed that we... That we, do you know the angels watch us? They don't even know salvation. They watch us as we respond to the salvation, the gospel message. And he says this, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd, this is what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. Now that is big. In other words, I've been hanging around, I've been seeing all the Pharisees, I've been seeing all the religious types, I've been seeing all these different people, but this centurion, this is not a, this is a centurion. This guy, I've not seen anything like this before. This is absolutely amazing. I've not even found in the whole of Israel, I've not found anything like this. I want to ask you today, if God was to dig deep on the foundations of your heart, 
what would he find? Would he be amazed? Would he be amazed? And what would he find in your faith? What would he find? They said this. When they came to Jesus, they said, this man deserves to have you come and do this. This is the elders, the Jewish elders coming to ask Jesus. This man deserves you to come because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue for us. Be very careful. Do, do you know what? These Jewish elders had a very different perception over the centurion than the centurion had over himself. Be careful what people say about you. You can end up living your faith built on what people are saying about you because it sounds good. You end up living off, some, come on, we're living in a, in a century, we're living in a time where people write stuff and people are living off, they're living off whether people like their comments on social media. You, you can't survive unless you've got enough likes. You can't survive unless someone's commented on, on that. I'm going to post this picture and I'm hoping someone's going to like it. And if you get a thumbs down, that's not good. But if, if someone likes it, you start to feel good. People like it. And, this is, and, and these people that said, you've got to come. This centurion's got a problem. Uh, his servant who he values highly is about to die. Jesus, you've got to come. And, and listen, by the way, he deserves to have you come. He deserves to have you come because we want to tell you about him. He's a really good person. He's a really good person because he loves this nation of Israel. And also, let me just tell you something. He's built some really good things as well. He's a great builder. He's, he, he's just funded our project for the new synagogue. Building project. We, we got it done. This guy, you've got to come and meet him. That's why you need to do it, Jesus. Do you know, Jesus, Jesus could have turned around and said, oh, okay. Watch this then. Just go back now and you'll see he's healed. But he doesn't. Because he doesn't respond to their praises of a man for what he's done. He goes because Jesus, how many of you know, knows everything about everyone. And goes to show them that actually it's not about what he's built and what he loves. It's about his heart. That's why I'm going to do what I'm about to do. And you're going to see that what you thought it was all about was actually, it's the foundations of his heart. It's not about what he's built. Amen. Jesus wants to come today, I believe, and excavate the foundations of our heart. Open up and see what is deep within us. It's interesting, when we did all the projects of this church many years ago, we did artist's impressions of different things and what it might look like. And I was involved in doing some of the artist's impressions of what this might look like. It, let, let me tell you, when you're in Photoshop and you create artist's impressions of things, it's so easy to put a carpet down. It doesn't cost anything. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll stick a stage there. Oh, I'll put a logo on the back wall there. That's nice. It takes a few seconds. Artist's impression. And you can, you can knock something up and tantalize people and, oh, that's nice. There's a cost involved. Yeah, I, I can stick a logo on the back wall, but that logo costs a lot of money. Peter Cavana knows that. But it's easy to do an artist's impression. And some of us, do you know what? We're living our lives with artist's impressions because it's got no substance below it. It's got no substance. It costs nothing. Do you realize to follow Jesus costs you your life? It costs everything. Are you in it for that or are you in it for yourself? Are you in it just because you want to look like you've got a faith? Listen, I don't want to have just a faith. I don't want to be a fan and a follower of Jesus. I want, I want to love him with all my heart. It's hard sometimes. But that's what God is, is looking for in us. In John 15 verse 1, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may be even more fruitful. I just sense today that the Holy Spirit wants to begin to prune our hearts, remove some extensions on our life that are actually built by us and not by Him. They've got no substance. And, and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes we don't like these kind of messages, but sometimes God needs to prune us, get rid of some stuff. Come on. If we want to be people of, of the kingdom, He's going to have to prune our hearts. Some of you right now, you say, no, no, I want to hang on to this extension. It's nice. I built it. No matter what you've built, Jesus is looking at the foundations. He's more interested in the foundations than the building. 
Hallelujah. Some of us, our artificial branches in our lives need to go. I want to ask you, what are you building today? And more importantly, what would Jesus find in your foundation? I want to just bring a few points of what I believe the characteristics of the centurion had about his faith that so amazed Jesus when he met him. I want to say this, number one, is his faith in Jesus was greater than the problems he faced. His faith in Jesus was greater than the problems that he faced. It says there in, in Capernaum, a centurion servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. Some of you are facing battles right now. I just sense this for loved ones. You're facing battles for children that have wandered away from the faith. You're facing battles for, for kids that you have invested into for years. I really felt the Lord put this on my heart that that centurion valued this servant. Now, you wouldn't think a man who has that kind of rapport and that kind of success would have this. But if he loved Jesus, then that's the kind of attitude and heart he's going to have to actually love his servants. And so that's, this, 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 this thing happens in his life and this tragedy happens. And the, the, the problem is, you know what, what happens in our lives is when things happen like this and the devil comes and attacks our family and attacks uh, our children. And some of you right now, you're praying intently for your kids. And when you're believing for people who you value so much, when you're doing all that and the enemy comes, the tendency for us is, is to try and deal with it ourselves. Especially if we're known and we've got this kind of persona for the fix-it person. And, and, and that centurion would be known for someone who orders people, tells them to do things. And now he's in a situation where everything's rocked his world and he has to ask for Jesus to come. He has to drop the pride. Some of you right now are trying to fix it yourself. And sometimes you're not willing to get on your knees and stop getting involved and sticking your nose in where it doesn't belong. I've done it plenty of times. I stick my nose in plenty of times. I make a right mess. But sometimes I'm learning more and more often that rather than trying to stick my nose in, it's best to kneel on the ground and pray. Believe again. Pray again. Trust Jesus, not myself. And I've got something to say to some people right now. You're trusting yourself. You didn't realize you are. You're trusting your own strength. You didn't realize you are. But you need to get look to Jesus again. And this centurion, as much as he values this servant, the problem didn't stop him from going to Jesus. As I said it earlier, some of us, just like them people protecting their homes and when the storms come in, they don't sometimes recognize the severity of the storm that's going to come. They stay in their homes. You know, years ago, I was just before the, um, the disaster, the tsunami hit. I was in Sri Lanka just two months before that tsunami hit on the beaches that it hit. I was, I was there on a Sunday morning watching the, the turtles in the sea. Two months later, it was devastation. Some of us do not know what's around the corner for us. So that's why your foundation has got to be strong. They've got to be secure in him. In, in, in 2005, Hurricane Katrina hits New Orleans on the Gulf Coast. And a poll conducted six weeks after the crisis says this, that 57% of the people believed they could handle the crisis themselves. 57% of people believed that they could stay there and deal with the crisis themselves. They misjudge the severity of the crisis. And some of us right now, we misjudge the severity of what might come our way and the value sometimes. We put so much value in the people, we forget Jesus. We, do you know what happens? People, people who you value become idols to you. They become modern day idols. They become people. You can focus all your attention and say, I, I can't even, I've not even got the strength to go to Jesus. I don't know if you're like this sometimes, but sometimes I've not got the strength to go to him because I'm so broken about the people that I'm dealing with. I, I, I haven't even got the strength to go to you, Jesus, and pray. I can't even speak. 
because I'm, I'm so consumed here and I'm going to try and deal with this myself. And what you do is you're like that 57% who stay with the problem and you misjudge the severity. But I want to say to you, nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for him. And some of you have got to run out of there and you've not got to stay there trying to deal with the problem. You've got to run and evacuate and get to Jesus. Come on. Stop trying to deal with it yourself. John 16 verse 33, Jesus said this, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Take heart, where's your heart? My my heart today is trying to believe in the overcomer, because he's overcome. I want to ask you the question, has God got this or have you got it? Has God got it or have you got it? Some of us, oh, well, I thought God had got it. No, has God got this, really? All right, are you giving it to him? Or have you got it with yourself? I put here that when pride keeps you holding on to your problem, your problem will keep you holding on to God. When pride keeps you holding on to the problem, some of us do this. Our pride, I'm a centurion. I, I, I should be able to deal with this. People need to see that I'm going to be able to do it with my strength. I'm going to hold on to this thing because I need to sort the problem out. Listen, the problem will hold you. Do you know what them centurions had on their helmets? If you ever look at their helmets, they had this transverse um, kind of, this big uh, feathers or horsehair on the top of their heads. And it was to show that their victories, and they'd have medals on their chest to show their victories. And so that they had this, and sometimes they would wear these helmets, not necessarily in battle, but to show that they had the victory. In fact, it almost made them look taller. And, and this thing was called a crest on their head. And so they would wear these things to, to, for people to recognize their victory, their success, their ability to deal with issues. Their ability to deal with problems, their victories, their medals on their chest. And, and, and so they'd have a trust in this crest that I've done it before, I can do it again. And, and I can imagine this centurion there with, with his helmet on the side and, and the crest there of, and the medals and, and looking and thinking there's a problem here. But none of these medals, this crest even can't even help me right now. You know what? You, you, some of us today are like that. You are trusting in your own crest. You're trusting in your own medals, your own abilities. I, I brought it in with me today that since, since Jacob started school recently, when I was at school, I had one of these. Has anyone had one of these? This, this shows my age, by the way. A record, national, national record of achievement. This is where I got when I was at school. It's so old, the pages are stuck together. And if you want to see my grades in here, it's full of my certificates for GCSEs and grades. If you want to see them, you have to pay. <laughs> Literally, it has stuck together. The, the words, you can't even read it properly. There's print gone on to the next page. And I remember getting this, this, this piece of paper I stuck in here when I got my GCSE results many years ago. And I stuck in here as a record of achievement. And I remember getting this from school, a nice bound thing with a bit of gold on the edge. National record of achievement. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, this is going to get me through life. This is my ticket to success. This is all I got from my school years is this. Do you know what? I have never, ever, ever used it. I worked hard for that. And I have never used it. In fact, this has been to every, every house I've moved to. It's been in every loft. That's why it's got marks all over it. Been in plastic bags. It's been everywhere. I took it everywhere. Because, you know, you, do, you don't throw away a national record of achievement, do you, really? And it's been everywhere. I've had this for years. But the, the reality is, is that I've never used it. I've never been in an interview where they've said... Excuse me, before you leave and we give you this job, do you have your, that red book <laughs> with the gold bit on the edge, you know, the national record of achievement? Because everyone, you should have, we can't give you the job unless you've got one. 
No one's ever asked me. So what's the point in this? That's what I want to know. But some of us, do you know what we're doing in our lives? We, we are walking around and we're trying to deal with problems because of our successes and our achievements and what we can do. You cannot do it in your own strength. You can only do things through Christ who strengthens you. In your weakness, he's strong. And so what, what, what I want to just say to you today, don't try coming to church trying to be the big person. That's got the big red book saying, I'm I'm doing well in Christ. Listen to me. Sometimes you're going to come in here and you've got absolutely nothing to your name. That's why we sung today that he's the name above every name. He's above every qualification. He's above every success that you've got. He's above everything that's against your name, whatever you've got. I've got BA honors, but it does nothing for me now. It's not very good, is it, BA honors? Compared to some people in here. I remember when I got that, I was so amazed when I got the letters next to my name. It was like, wow, bachelor. <laughs> this is just amazing. That's why every time I got something, this become more irrelevant. Then they weren't even bothered about the bachelors. They just said, what, what did you do last time? What was the last job you were in? Let me tell you, if you, put your, if you place your value in your successes and achievements, in your crests and your medals, one day they're not going to have any value. <laughs> if you try and do it to base everything on the value of those things, one day someone's going to say to you, I'm not bothered about that. What about this? What about your, what about your relationship with Jesus? Did you know me? Yeah, but, 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 but I prophesied in your name. Can't you remember when I went to that event and I, and I preached and someone got healed because I, I had a word of knowledge and they got healed of a, an ear problem and they, they heard for the first time. I did it in your name, Jesus. No, no, no. What about you, though? What about you? No, but look at, my, look at this. Jesus, remember. I went to a conference once and I preached. I had a, an amazing word of knowledge of detail that I knew someone's address. I mean, I'm not being funny sometimes. People have these... I used to like listen to these people, these prophets who know everyone's address, but I'm not really interested whether they know the address. I want to know what God's got for my life. I don't want to know whether a prophet knows the bank account number anymore. I don't want to know these things. It's not a sure prophecy. I'm not interested. Unless prophetic's got a value and it's going to tell me what I already know, what's the point? I don't need to know whether my house number... His number, I'm not going to tell you. I don't need to know. I already know. I know where I live. I don't need you to tell me where I live. And what's that doing for me? Some of us are trusting in our achievements, our crest. Listen, listen to me very clearly. Your crest will not withstand the test. Your crest will not withstand the test. The test. James chapter 1 verse 12 says this. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test. Standing in that place. Trusting God. That person will receive the crown of life. That the Lord has promised to those who love him. Look, stop trusting in your crest and go for the crown of life. Go for the crown that never fades. Hallelujah. Oh, but I like my crest. No, I don't care what the crest looks like. Because the crest has no value. It's all superficial. It's a house without a foundation. There's only one helmet that you need to wear today. And that's Ephesians chapter 6, the helmet of salvation. Come on. Even Paul used the Roman soldiers. Even Paul used the Roman soldiers as an illustration, but he says, don't, even, don't try wearing one of their helmets. You need the helmet of salvation. You need the helmet of salvation. You need the breastplate of righteousness. You don't need one of their uniforms. It looks good, but you need the real thing. The helmet of salvation. The thing that's going to save you through your situation. Hallelujah. Come on, let's time, it's time to drop the pride of who we are. Next thing is that in his faith, 
His faith was greater in Jesus than the perception that he had built. He had built this perception that it says that these elders, we said it earlier, this, they said this man deserves you to do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. I want to just focus in on that just for a moment. Because these elders come, and I've never really spotted this before, I've kind of skipped over it. But they come and they're saying, Jesus, we got a message, we got a problem. The centurion, he wants you to come and, and, and heal his servant who he values. But listen, he, he deserves it because he's built some really good things. Do you get this, this kind of link between when Jesus just spoke about what you can build? Now he's saying to Jesus, he's only just left from saying that. And now he meets some, these guys come up to him. Jesus knows everything that's going to happen. They're saying, come and meet someone who's built some really good things. Come and meet someone who's built this amazing sin. In fact, Jesus, he'll impress you because he's not just built, he's not just built a new house for himself. He's built a synagogue. It's spiritual. It's religious. It's what you like, isn't it, Jesus? You like speaking in synagogues. You like spiritual buildings. You like this. So come and have a look. And and by the way, not only does he, has he built this religious building, but he loves Israel. Have you noticed that later on Jesus finds out that he has a faith greater than the whole of Israel? But they're saying he, he, he loves Israel. Jesus is more interested that he loves him than Israel. Come and have a look. Come and check. Check out. Check out this guy. He has built a synagogue. He's, he's been our main, main investor. We went to Dragon's Den. The centurion was there. We said, we need some money for the synagogue. And he's like, I'm in. I'm in. Not I'm out. I'm in. Some of us right now, you know, a number of years ago when we built, we built this floor that we're on here and we built, did the building project here. We've not done major building projects here, but what we have done is put this floor in and we've, it cost a lot of money. We had investment from the council. We did all these things. We did the artist's impression and all these things to get to where we are today. And let me tell you, God's got more for us. This is just the beginning. But when we did all these things, and do you know what? It's quite easy today to put our trust in this building, to put our trust in all the beauty of what we have, to put our trust in that actually our future relies on what we've built. Look at us, Jesus. Look at what we've done. Do you know, uh, it was, and I'm not saying this to big me up, but Patrick, who's, it's great to hear that Patrick's been out on the mission field this week in London, and he's been sending me texts. We prayed for him the other week. We invested for him to try and help him to go as a church on the mission field with Jonathan Conrad. And it's been great to hear reports back of him saying, I led someone to Christ the other day. And come on, isn't it great? Listen, we're going to hear some of the stories when he comes back. And he said to me the other week, if you're here at a prayer meeting, he stood up and said, I went to this Jonathan Conrad day and, and, and I met someone and, and, and I told them which church I go to. And I told them, oh, it's Phil Shaw's church. And they're like, Phil Shaw's church, that must be a great church because they have an impression of me just because of a bit of social media. Let me tell you, I don't rely on their impression of me. I'm not living off that. Just because they heard something, let me tell you, no one's as good as the website. No one's as good as social media. My best Facebook post is not as good as what I am. I might post them on Facebook sometimes. I feel terrible inside. So don't, don't believe what you see. Don't believe what you see. Don't believe what anything of what you see with anyone. You can get into this comparison trap. Oh, I've got to be like them. And some people just, you look at things and you, and you, you give up. Listen to me. Every one of us are all struggling. Every one of us. And so when, when Patrick said that, I said, oh, it's all good. But at the end of the day, it's not about our church. It's about what's happening in here. What's the, what's the foundation? I, I want to know what's the foundation of the people. What's the foundation of my life? Where's, where do I stand? Because one, listen to me. One day, this is not my church. It's not my church. When God asked me to step into the ministry and do what I'm doing, it's to steward his church. He's just steward it. That's all I'm doing. Just passing through, stewarding it. That's all I'm doing. So if you think it's mine, it's not mine, it's not yours. It's, we're stewarding it. 
and the devil will get you focusing on what you built. He'll say that the future of this church is based on, look at now, you know, God, the move of God's spirit in this house is because we did this. We deserve to have this. Some churches don't have a building. We do, so we deserve a move of God. Listen to me. There are people who are going to get moves of God that we will not expect it. They won't even have a building. And we'll be like, what? It's because they didn't trust in the building. Didn't trust in a building. And, and I'm going to be thankful when they do get a move because I'm hungry for what they've got. I'm hungry for the hearts of the people, not the building. Hallelujah. Now, without getting weird and wacky, I, if some of you were at the prayer meeting the, the other, other week, we, it was a great meeting. Great meeting. And, and in that prayer meeting, I mentioned, because some of you know, that the glass here smashed and it smashed on the 25th of August. Thankfully, I was on holiday. <laughs> away from the danger. Every time I go away, something happens. I even got a WhatsApp message while I was on holiday with a picture of the glass. So I'm, I was with you in spirit. I, I, I was here. And I saw what happened and I heard you were singing Waymaker. And I, I know it must be Danga's deep voice that just did it. It's like, it's like a, a drama at the moment. What caused the glass to smash? Who was the last person to touch it? Did anyone's mobile phone go off? Did the, was the worship too loud? Was Caroline's voice so high that she hit the note that the glass smashed? Is it Danga? Who, we could have a game to find out who's responsible for that. All I know is it's going to cost a bit of money. Now, when I heard about it, some of you know this, and I mentioned it. I, I, um, when I heard about this, first thing that came to my mind was this. First thing was, wow, that's a lot of money. <laughs> Next thing was, I just hope no one goes near that, and I hope they put something in front of it. The third thing was this. Joking aside, the third thing was this. I, I, I saw it, and it reminded me of a word that the Lord gave to me in 2013. I just took over the church. We'd seen... Uh, Aruna's dad had just got healed and we'd seen this great healing take place. And, and the Lord spoke to me in a prayer meeting downstairs in the cafe. We were praying together and I saw a picture of water filling up and the pressure of water filling up this building uh, and, until it, it filled that much that upstairs here, the windows smashed and blew and the water flew out into the streets. That was in 2013. That's what caused me to start to feel about going out and speaking on the streets and praying for people and seeing God move. And I felt God say, I'm going to do bigger things and greater things than what you think. And it's going to flow out. It's going to touch more lives than this room. How many of you know that that is God revealing his bigger plan for this place than a building? Come on. Now that was 2013 I got that. And when I heard that this thing had smashed, it reminded me of a word. So although it's a costly thing, this... At this moment, I'm like, wow, actually, it's reminding me of the promise of God. And so I was, I was blessed by that. And I shared this in the prayer meeting the other night. And so I said, without getting weird and wacky, you know, I don't know whether God just put his finger on that and blew the thing up or whether it, it was Danga's voice. But wh- whatever it was, even if it was Danga's voice, he'll use Danga's voice to smash it to give me a sign. <laughs> come on, some of you are thinking, have I come to the right church today? You've screwed up your welcome card already. Look, if you, you've just walked into a Pentecostal believing spirit-led church. And in the times that we're in right now, I wouldn't even trust the government. Come on. Whatever I say is going to sound great, isn't it? Because I'm wise. If God in the Bible can speak through donkeys, he can smash glass. And so I'm like, wow, reminds me of that. The other day, I was reading some of my WhatsApp messages, and I come across a WhatsApp message. Now, this smashes on the 25th of August on Sunday. I don't know what time it was in worship time or whatever. It smashes 25th of August, Sunday. And I'm scrolling through some WhatsApp messages, and on the 4th of August, Sunday the 4th of August, the first Sunday of the month in August, this was the last Sunday this smashed, if you were here, The first Sunday in August, I received a prophetic word from a pastor in Devon. And I'd forgot about it. How many of you know that you forget about words sometimes? Because if they're not significant at the time, you just leave them. You shelve them. 
And so I, this, this person is a significant person, pastor, sends me a word, an audio word, on the Sunday the 4th of August, and sends it to me in their worship time about 11 o'clock. So we're talking nearly to the hour of the same month, but the beginning of the month. And she says a few things to me, but then says this. God, I felt to tell you this, God is about to break the glass ceiling in your church. He's about to break the glass ceiling in your church and do something bigger than you thought. This is an audio message, Sunday the 4th of August. I forgot about it. I, was on a, I didn't even think about it on holiday. And now I'm reading it the other day. Then after the audio message, she sends an additional text and puts underneath and says, and again in this word, I want to reiterate to you about the glass. <laughs> Danger, it's not your fault. I want to reiterate to you about the glass. That God is going to smash to smithereens the glass ceiling. Sunday the 4th of August. You tell me. Do you still want to be Pentecostal or not? But I'm telling you, I serve a God who speaks. And some of you say, no, no, God, God is not going to let us have a piece of MDF board sat here. He wouldn't do that because he likes his building. Listen to me, when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, the curtain was torn in two. Some people say it was the hand breadth width, four inches width. He's broken, he's ripped apart in the temple. It says this, that it was, it, the, the, the rock split. Oh, come on church, are you Pentecostal today or what? The rock split. Hallelujah. Things happened. And, 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 and this, this, this curtain's torn in two. Let me tell you, the curtain's torn in two to send a message through the generations to come. That this is the word of the Lord. This is my son who's died for you. Some of us are so worried about what that's going to cost. Some of us just need to pay for it, put it back in and say, Thank you, Jesus, for reminding us that you're doing something bigger. Thank you, Jesus, that there's a ceiling on this place that we can see through, but you're going to smash through it. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise God. Praise God. It says this in Matthew 27, 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. Listen, when, when the power of the Holy Spirit fell in the, in the book of Acts, it shook the building. The earth shook, the rock split. And listen, verse 52, get this. And the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Listen to me. I felt the Spirit of God say to me when I was preparing this message that he said to me, look, don't trust the building. Don't trust what you're building. Don't trust in anything that looks good or looks nice on anything that you've scheduled. Don't look at that. Focus on me. Focus on me because I am about to do something that will smash to smithereens, will shake people's lives, will bring people from dead back to life. Because when Jesus comes and his spirit moves, let me tell you, tombs, foundations, things underground, things that you can't see, come back to life. They come out and people who are holy people start to walk around. Hallelujah. Come on, church. I, I want to see us. Some of you are not so sure about this, but I want to see some of us that we're going to start to believe God to do something, not because we trust the building, not because we trust what we have, but we trust in the one. We say, I'm going to put everything aside and I'm looking to the one who's going to shake my foundations, shake my life because I'm dead at the moment, Lord. I'm dead. I feel dead inside. We need a move of the spirit. Not a good sermon. Move of the Holy Ghost. Move of the Holy Ghost. 
That I don't have to speak some Sundays and you come out and you feel the presence of God and you get on your knees and he will shake you. Shake you. Hallelujah. But no, no, some of us, we can trust in our own abilities, what we've built. Revelation chapter 2, speaking of the church in Ephesus, verse 2. Jesus says to the church, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. And then he says this, verse 3, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. They were an amazing church, brilliant church. If they had a website, it had been the best responsive design website you could ever have. And it would have told you all the things that they're doing. Some people said to me sometimes, oh, can we do this? Can we do this? And I can't keep up with what people want sometimes. I'm sorry. When you've got two services full of people requesting what they want to see happen... I'm trying to keep up with it, but listen to me. Stop trying to think about all the structure. Just think about God's breath. Because in Ezekiel, the bones are great, the structure's great, the bodies are great, but you need the breath. You need the breath. You can have as much structure as you like and all the things you want, but I'll tell you what, I want the breath of God's spirit on this house more than ever. More than ever. We can love the church and the kingdom, but lose our love for the king. We can love the church and the kingdom of God. We're going to learn about the church and the kingdom of God on Tuesday, but do you love the king? Do you know the king? Hallelujah. Our accomplishments can't replace the accomplished work on the cross. Let me tell you that. Listen, it's not just a move of God's spirit that's going to come here, that's going to tickle people. Make them feel nice and fall on the floor. But it's the power of the cross. The power of the blood of Jesus. Listen, people need to start getting saved in this place like they've never got saved before. People need to start coming in and giving their lives to Jesus, the young and the old. Because of the power of the blood of Jesus. We've got to stop thinking about our accomplishments as a church and saying, listen, the only thing we want to just be a DNA of our church is Christ's accomplishment on the cross. I preach Christ crucified, not my success. I'm tired of hearing churches telling me how big their congregations are. I'm tired of people telling me how much money they received in an offering. I'm tired of people telling me all these things. I'm tired of watching social media posts where it's all about how good things look. I'm tired of it. Why? Because I want a move of God. The world can do all that. Come on. The world can do it so well. There's a lot of money hanging around. It's not money that's going to make our churches succeed. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. What is the foundation? He had a great foundation because why? When he comes, he did not trust. It wasn't him who said, send a message and tell him how good, how much I love the nation, how good the synagogue is. He said, go and get Jesus. They added that on. And this is what people do. We add on to what Jesus wants. To what people want. Finally, number three. His faith in Jesus was greater than the position that he held. He says this, Luke 7 verse 6. And I'm coming to close. He says, so Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. So here what happens next is Jesus is on his way. He's now going. The elders, the, Jew, the Jewish elders have been, now it gets a little bit closer. Now his friends come. His friends come and say, we've got an update. Here's a little update message. The centurions now sent a new message. Remember? Still not healed. This is faith. You imagine this, right? You're the centurion. And you've just sent a message through the Jewish elders. They've just got Jesus. And you know, and it says he's not far from the house. They so probably saw him coming. Imagine this, that your faith is so strong that you can send a second messenger to send to Jesus, even though you know he's about to come, and then say, tell him not to bother, even though the the thing's not got answered that you wanted. 
even though you knew Jesus was intending to come, you send a message to tell him not to come. And what's the reason why? The reason is because I don't think I'm worthy enough for him to even come under my roof of what I have built. Now we're talking about his house, not his synagogue. He says he didn't, he, he didn't think he was worthy enough to have Jesus come under his roof. In other words, I don't think that I, I, I have, that, that, that I'm worthy enough to have you come into this physical thing that I've built that looks good. And you can see, in fact, Jesus, when you come in, you'll see my crest. You'll see everything I've got. You'll see the breastplate with all the medals on. You'll see who I am. I'm, I'm a centurion. I'm not just a normal Roman officer. I don't, I'm not even going to, I don't deserve to even have him come in. This is a man of authority. He says this, he says, tell him that I understand that, that you know, I said to, the, to my servants, go and they go. And I said, come and they come. I, I tell him to this, but I, I know, just say the word. Say the word from a distance. Say it from a distance. I, just say it because I don't even have you worthy to come close to me. That is when you drop your pride. That's when you say that my position that I hold. And let me tell you, as a position in leadership, when I hold a position, my position does not demand me to have a greater favor than you. And, and, and so I, I, I see this and I see that he lays down this impression of authority in front of everyone. That is why Jesus says, I've just come here, in my words, paraphrased, I've come here and I didn't come because these told me that you built a synagogue, that you loved the nation, and because you got a nice house and a nice crest and a nice breastplate with all the medals. I've come here to excavate and to see, and what I see is something, I have dug deep and found something that's amazing, and it is that you have faith greater than all Israel that I've seen. There's the message. Where is the faith? Where is your faith today? Today, God, if the worship team could come back, God is calling people to cast their crowns at his feet. Let go of your crown. Let go of your crown. Stop saying, I've got, I'm a leader. I, I've got this or I do this. I'm a worship leader. And listen, cast your crowns. Forget about your successes. Forget about your achievements. It's not going to do anything. I want to see a, a time and a season, I prophesy it, that people will be broken on their knees in this house. Broken in a good way, where they come before the Lord with repentant hearts. Where we come with tears of repentance, I prophesy over this house. Lord, bring in people to be saved. Bring in the young, the old, the youth, the ones even in our families that are wandered away, the prodigals. I prophesy, I prophesy, Luke 15, the prodigals to come home. That when they walk in here, they don't look and say, oh, what a nice building. They walk in here and they feel the presence of God. They feel the presence of God. It's not about a glass shattering. I want the one who shatters the glass, if he shattered it, to come in here and touch my heart. Break my heart for, for the work of the Lord. Some of you got hardened hearts because of pride. But let him break that down. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. But just, just say the word. Just say the word. I want to just say today, your words will do nothing on, on their own. It's only his word that will change it. Some of you right now, you're desperate in your situations. You're trusting in your own abilities. You're trying to do it yourself. You're trying to manage the storm. You're trying to stay there. You're trying to trust in your crowns, your abilities, your crest. The crest won't withstand the test. <sighs> Only him. 1 Corinthians 9.25, it says this. Everyone who competes, Paul says, in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. I saw, is it Tim Henman the other day, training to do well again in the tennis. And they said, I'm, I'm not there at the level just yet. So much desire to get to a level of, of ability to play against some of the best players in the world. 
and he's there and he's saying, I'm, I'm doing it, but I'm, I'm a bit upset because this skill's not good and, and I'm not being able to achieve in this area and I need to just get this a little bit better and then I'll be ready to take on these people. And so they're trying in strict training to get that place and that accolade. And some of you right now, you're trying so hard to do that. But it's a crown that doesn't last. That's what the Bible says. Paul said it. He says they're going to strict training to get a crown that won't last. But we do it. We do it. Come on, church. We do it. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. What position do you have today that you've trusted in? The only thing you need right now is a word from God and a touch from the king. Come on, he's, he's come today and he's excavating hearts. He's saying, I'm coming. That, if it was a sign, praise the Lord. If it wasn't, still praise the Lord because it's made me think. And if it makes me think for the good reasons and change the way I think about God, then praise God. I don't care whether it's Danga's voice or God. He spoke to me for the good reasons that I will come close to him because I want him to break our hearts again for him. I want him to excavate my heart, get rid of the junk, prune me, get rid of the stuff that shouldn't be there. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.